0: From the very beginning of my sexuality, I was really turned on by the thought of anal. Can't track it back to anything, have no idea why, just really enjoyed the thought of anal.
1: I have often said that my hesitation to using a strap-on is because I worry that I'm going to suck at it.
0: You don't truly understand that until you strap one on and you fuck somebody. And then you will appreciate the cock owners in your life so much more. I wouldn't say it's for everyone. I really wouldn't. I would say that it presents a wonderful possibility to explore your sexuality in a different way. I always laugh too because it's like, the very first question sometimes from a potential giver is, are you gay? And honey, if he's been with you for a while and if he's eaten your pussy, he's not gay.
1: Everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I am Layla. It's another great Saturday, and I have a fantastic guest. This subject is close and personal to me these days. Most of you that listen to my show know why. But I have Ruby Ryder, and she's a podcaster, blogger, sex worker, sex educator, and a published writer of erotic fiction. She's been educating people about pegging for the last 12 years. She's moderated panels at sexuality conferences and taught endless classes all about her favorite subject, Pegging. Ruby's two missions as a sex educator are to help interested people add one more thing to their sexual treasure chest of choices by teaching them all about pegging and to do everything she can to encourage more sex positivity with less sexual shame. A girl after my own heart. Welcome, Ruby, to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast.
0: Thank you. It's lovely to be here, especially talking about my favorite subject.
1: First of all, I love your logo. You guys have got to check out Ruby's website just to see this fantastic logo. I love it. That, <laughs> that woman looks like you. Is that? It is me. That's your it is likeness. Me, yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. There's this genius graphic designer and he spent a couple of months at my house in one of my spare bedrooms and he wanted, he said, you need a new logo. And I had this idea of me riding the dildo, right? So he put me on the back of the couch. I straddled the back of my couch dressed up like that, and then he turned it into that. It's
1: perfect. And with the writing crop and everything, I love it. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Taming those
1: dicks. Okay. Now, Ruby, can you just give us a little bit about your background and how, just, I'm really curious how pegging became such a passion for you.
0: Well, from the very beginning of my sexuality, I was really turned on by the thought of anal. Can't track it back to anything, have no idea why, just really enjoyed the thought of anal. And that was like, even before I became sexual was sort of like masturbatory, discovering things because I had access to penthouse letters forum, And that's the one with no photos. It's just the letters. And I'm doing air quotes here. Cause you know, whatever they make them up probably. And that was really convenient because they had, it's all sectioned, you know? So you just turn to anal or at least I did. And, it didn't make any difference which direction things were going or who was doing what to whom. There was anal play involved. I was happy. And then I came to the day when I found the letter. And it was so cheesy, but it was definitely sort of the Rubicon or the epiphany because it was about two couples. The women had labeled themselves football widows because their guys were always at the bar watching football games. So they came home one time after the football games, and the women had strap-ons on. They had footballs on the ground and they made them bend over like they were centers and they fucked them. I told you the stories were cheesy, right? (laughs) But I had no idea you could do that. And that idea grabbed a hold of me and never, ever, ever let go. Now, I labeled it bad and weird and different and strange, like a lot of us who have different sexual desires or interests than what society deems acceptable. And I wrote stories about it and I filed them away in a filing cabinet. And I really mean a filing cabinet. I don't mean a locked folder on the computer because that was way before. And then I got married twice. I did approach both husbands with this idea of anal play. And they weren't mean about it, but both of them just kind of said, no, thanks. And I... Not their line. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: But I had so much shame. And like I said, I labeled it bad and weird and different and strange. I had no self-confidence to persist and say, wait a minute, this turns me on. So I filed it away again. And after I got divorced the second time, then I sat back, I was 50 and I thought, okay, if not now, when? And I decided that was the time. And that's how Pegging Paradise was born. That's my website. So
1: yes, I love it. Your website, by the way, has so much information.
0: I (laughs) it does. Well, it's like 12 years old.
1: <laughs> well, it's phenomenal. I mean, really, I, it's like, it's this is the mecca of pegging. Like, I haven't seen this much consolidated information about pegging in one spot, so it's fantastic. So if anybody has any interest in pegging at all, you've got to check out PeggingParadise.com because it's got so much stuff in there. And we'll get back to it at the end, too, and I'll make sure it's in the show notes. But can you just define... I'm asking for this because I told somebody before I was doing this interview that I was going to be interviewing you and what your area of expertise was in, and they weren't actually clear on what pegging was. So could you define pegging for us? And also, why should people add pegging to their sexual treasure chest choices, as you like to say?
0: Well, that second question is, there's so many answers to that one, but let me start with the first one. Pegging is a word that was originally defined extremely gendered. So it absolutely meant a woman putting a strap-on on on and penetrating a man anally. That was a long time ago. It was like 2001. And that did happen on Dan Savage's column. So just to give him credit.
1: That's where it came from.
0: Yes. Okay. Uh, A guy wrote in in and said, you know, how come we don't have a special word for when heterosexual couples use strap-ons? to differentiate it from lesbian strap-on use. Oh. And he said, so, hey, let's make one. And they took suggestions. They voted on them and pegging one. In fact, I interviewed that guy. He's living in Australia right now.
1: (laughs) No kidding. Oh, my god! Yeah,
0: we crossed paths on a a subreddit. And I went, oh, my God, I want to interview you. Yeah. Because he was saying, I helped an English word come into being, and I can't even tell anybody about it. (laughs) Anyway. So really gendered. But of course, since then, the gender binary has evolved, broken down, however you want to phrase it. So it has evolved. And there is actually a section of the queer community that has adopted that word to mean anybody putting a strap on on and penetrating anyone in any orifice. And that's fine. That's lovely. It only complicates things in terms of my teaching, because I teach to prostate owners as receivers and vagina owners as givers. Okay. So I'm real specific about that. And, you know, if somebody says, what about a vagina owner receiving anal? Well, I know basic anal stuff, but I can't really, that's not my of specialty. So in my world, how I define it is anybody putting on a strap on and penetrating someone with a prostate or someone who used to have a prostate that had it removed. <laughs> Does that exist too?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So you want me to dive into the second question?
1: Yes, please.
0: Oh man, there's so many reasons. Okay, the first one, and this is where I think, you know, pegging is magic and it can save the world. Of course, I think that, (laughs) is when you engage in pegging, what you're really doing is you're being given an opportunity to experience sex kind of from the opposite side of the bed. Now, I understand these are all generalizations and stereotypes and things, but you get a chance to take on your partner's usual role. And because of that, you gain compassion and understanding for their usual role. And it is eye-opening. You learn so much. Like, for example, vagina owners, most vagina owners, unless they've done strap-on play with somebody, don't have a clue what it takes to fuck somebody. It takes balance and strength and endurance and grace and multitasking. It takes multitasking to a degree that vagina owners will never truly understand, because we can strap it on it's always hard we don't have to have just enough fun to keep it hard but not too much fun where things end early and it's an athletic event it really is you use muscles you never knew you had
1: okay ruby rider hold on i just have to interject okay i want you to keep going but i have to like i have often said that my hesitation to using a strap on is because I worry that I'm going to suck at it. I know that men do the heavy lifting and I love that they do the heavy lifting. I'm so worried (laughs) that I'm going to be, that I won't have any rhythm or the right cadence, or I'm just going to do it wrong. And I'm just like, it's intimidating. And so, you know, to penis owners, thank you. We get it. Like, this is not an easy task that you do when you fuck us. So, okay, please continue. <laughs>
0: and you don't truly understand that until you strap one on and you fuck somebody. And then you will appreciate the cock owners in your life so much more. I mean, they rock that, you know, it's an athletic event. It truly yeah. is. Yeah. But when you're new at it as a giver, there are ways to soften that learning curve. It's a pretty steep learning curve. I I grant you that. Your fears are pretty well-founded. Okay. (laughs) But at the same time, there are positions that are easier for the givers. And also just to find yourself in a position of, or in an attitude of, okay, this is not going to be perfect at first. There's a learning curve here. And I've never had one of these. I don't know how to move. Yeah. And I just, this is going to be interesting to learn how to do this. Because when you watch porn, there's so many videos of cock owners with that beautiful roll of the hips, right? That takes a while to learn. That is not necessarily comes right off the bat. Yeah. So there's learning on both sides, though, because, you know, that's just an example of some of the stuff that you figure out when you're the giver. But as the receiver, of course, you're going to be learning things too. So in that situation, you learn that foreplay is not really foreplay. It's like the first act of the play and deserves to be treated as such. Yeah. You know, it's not 20 seconds of impatient. Can I put it in? <laughs> you know?
1: Interesting. Okay. That's a good point. Now you're just like, I'm getting like alarm bells going off. Cause I'm just like thinking like I'm strapping this on. I'm going right in, but I would crucify a guy. If he did that to me, I'd be like, Hey, where's the foreplay fucker? You know, like
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I got asked one time, um, Have you noticed that guys who receive pegging, that they're more peaceful? (laughs) And I haven't actually had that word used before, but I have had givers write in and say, oh my God, he's such a more of a a solicitous and considerate lovemaking partner now. All kinds of foreplay. Yeah, because they understand, they learn what's happening, right? Yeah. And especially with anal penetration. Oh my gosh. I mean- you need to hang out back there and seduce that ass and tease it until your partner's going okay 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 yes <laughs> as opposed to any kind of attitude of expectation or impatience or you know how much of this do i have to do you know yeah. that kind of thing. yes yeah.
1: oh i'm already like clicking ahead in my brain like i get it like i can see why all these things you just pointed out so clearly that, yeah, because I would be have obviously being the receiver all the time, right? You know, like, you know, the stuff that you kind of complain about. Well, yeah.
0: And that's just it.
1: Yeah. 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 So I have to apply. Okay. I'm getting my, my brain, my brain's picking up on it.
0: And the other thing that they learn is, you know, obviously they learn that lube's important with anal penetration because it's not a self-lubricating part of the body, but above and beyond that, there's also something a little, Uh, I want to say like a little emotionally deeper perhaps. And that is that penetration is kind of intense. Taking someone into your body is kind of an intense thing, you know, and and maybe not every night's a penetration night, you know? And so because you gain this compassion and understanding for each other's usual roles, so many times that results in deepening of intimacy between couples, I get endless letters from couples like this is a whole new level Of closeness that we share, and they they use those words exactly. We have a deeper intimacy than we've ever had, so yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: I love that. So, okay, and that's just
0: one reason.
1: (laughs) Yes, I know. No, I I'm already like starting to sort of I'm scratching the surface. I can see some of these things, and it makes perfect sense. Now, why do you think pegging is for everyone, regardless of their sex or sexual orientation?
0: I wouldn't say it's for everyone. I really wouldn't. I would say that it presents a wonderful possibility to explore your sexuality in a different way. But just like any sexual activity, there are going to be people who are a hard no and that needs to be respected, no matter which side of the pegging formula it comes from. And that topic is kind of interesting for me because there are so many misconceptions and assumptions and incorrect connotations and things that are attached. To this sexual activity, that when a couple starts talking about it, often it goes in the direction of the receiver approaches the potential giver. And if the giver says, No, I'm really not interested in that, okay, one way to look at that moment in time and how to respond to that is a no is a no. The conversation's over. Everybody has a right to decide what they want to do and what they don't want to do in bed. And I respect that, and I get that, and (laughs) I'm a sex educator, and I know all of these different things that people get wrong. So I'm a fan of at least giving them accurate information first, and then they can make the decision, because they may be having a knee-jerk reaction to a misconception, a complete misconception, because there's a lot of them and they that's what they're basing their answer on and all of a sudden when they find out that's not true then maybe they go oh okay well let me think about this so mm, i get a hard time though some from people sometimes about that not just taking a no as a no and, and that's a complete sentence that's what people say
1: That being said, so how can you approach your partner about pegging? Like, what would you suggest is an acceptable way, you know, that sort of, I guess, maybe softens the blow or, you know, you're going to meet with the least resistance. What, how do you propose someone do that?
0: I've answered this question so many times that I recorded two specific podcasts exactly for this purpose. I have. One is speaking to a potential giver and the other is speaking to a potential receiver. And in my voice, I talk to them and I take them through every single misconception and assumption. And sometimes it's a moment where like, if a couple is listening to this, they push the pause button. Like for example, the one for the givers might say something like, so you might think that because your partner wants to try pegging that they also want to dress up in women's clothing. And I don't know if they want to do that or not. You need to ask your partner. But it doesn't have to go along with pegging at all. But that's not for me to answer. So then they press the pause button and they talk about it. And the whole podcast, I emphasize the relationship. I do not try and convince because that's not the point. The point is is to get the, the person that's been asked really, really clear on exactly what's being asked. And equally as important, what's not being asked because all the myths and misconceptions. So I have both of those and they get rave reviews. They have helped escort people into the pegging world pretty darn well over the years. I, I think, when did I record that? I can't remember what year I've recorded it, but I've had it for at least seven or eight years now.
1: Oh, wow. So how old is your podcast?
0: I've been recording the podcast since 2012 and I've had my website since 2010.
1: Okay. Wow. All right. So I'm seven years into my podcast. So you're. Yay. Yeah. You're. <laughs> you are leading the charge. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I have my times where I put out more podcasts than others. I wish I could say every single week. Yeah. Not so much. <laughs> I try, though. Yes.
1: So I guess just if you were to generalize, so because. I know it sounds like it's a big subject, right? And you have, you have broken it down into really tailorized that for who the receiver is and done podcast episodes about it. But if you were just to generically kind of give some answers to that, what should people be mindful of when they are approaching their partner for the pegging? Like common, maybe pushback, you know, like what they're going to hear, like, oh, well, I don't like it because of this, or maybe it makes me gay or, you know, like things like that.
0: These are some of the misconceptions, but those things are covered in the podcast and I will talk about them a little bit, but I also want to mention, this is like a whole environment that we're talking about here. This doesn't happen in isolation. So to those hopeful receivers out there, the very first thing I would say is keep your side of the street clean. Make sure it's clean. Make sure that you are the best partner that you could possibly be to your partner. And that's like inside of the bedroom and outside of the bedroom. Keep as happy as you possibly can make them because then they will be more motivated to listen to you. When you have a request, they'll be more motivated to try something new because you're an awesome partner in all the different ways, yeah. you know, helpful, whatever. Everybody knows kind of what I mean with that, but yes. because that's the background of things. If you're, if you come home from work and grab a beer and sit and watch TV and say, "Cook my dinner."
1: Yeah. Cook my dinner and peg me.
0: Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> you yeah. you don't pay any attention to how happy they are and what they need or don't need. In fact, you probably haven't asked them. And then all of a sudden, you're pissed off because you ask them to peg you and, and they say no. Could have nothing to do with the misconceptions around pegging and everything to do with your relationship. So, having said that. <laughs> There's all kinds of misconceptions. The very first strongest one, of course, is about sexual orientation. And that one always makes me laugh, you know, because many times the reason that receivers approach their partner is because they've discovered that there is pleasure to be had there in however way they discover it. And so I'm here to tell you, not only gay and bisexual men have pleasure from prostate stimulation. That is not how physiology works. (laughs) It's physiology. It has nothing to do with sexual orientation. The area of your body that you enjoy having stimulated has no bearing whatsoever on the gender you prefer to do the stimulating. That's so important. But that's the biggest stumbling block, sometimes for both sides of the pegging equation, certainly from potential givers. And I always laugh too because it's like, the very first question sometimes from a potential giver is, are you gay? And honey, if he's been with you for a while and if he's eaten your pussy, he's not gay. He's at the very least bisexual because gay men do not eat pussy. <laughs> so there's that.
1: Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I can say, honestly, when I started all of this seven years ago and I was coming out of, you know, a three and a half year dry spell and I would at that point consider myself just very vanilla. There's just so much I just didn't know. And, you know, if I roll the clock back and imagine someone asking me to peg them, I would have been like, I might've thought that too. Naturally as a female, that would have like triggered an insecurity in me. I think like, Whoa, wait a minute cause I don't have a penis. I can't give that to you. Like, is that something you want? I mean, you know, there's, I think there's all this kind of weird stuff that can come up, especially if you're, you know, just conservative sexually. And so I'm appreciative, you know, of you telling us this stuff because I mean, you really did hit the nail on the head. It's like, it's not about which way you're inclined to go. You know, men have a prostate and it's a pleasure. It's like our I guess I would liken it to our clit. Would you liken it to our clit or our G-spot or something? I mean, like, there's a lot of pleasure that can come out of that area for them. And so to not explore it, maybe I would say to get women to understand, like, well, pick a zone that you're just like, you don't want no more touching, no more exploring. Like, can we take something away from you? And maybe that would sort of trigger a response like, oh, wait a minute. Okay.
0: Well, yeah, that's transactional, but at the same time, when I teach my class, and and part of the reason my, my webinars always have a free option is because there are so many myths and misconceptions that I want to correct. Because I remember way back when I started the website in 2010, I was having a dinner party. We had had dinner. We were all talking and sitting around afterwards. And there was a woman who was my mortgage broker way back when I owned a house (laughs) and she's a lesbian and I know this about her. And she said, so what have you been doing? And I said, well, I'm starting to write erotica and do sex education. Really? And you can always tell, you know, how much people want to hear because either they lean in and go really, or it's like, oh, that's cool. And walk away. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) And she said, what about, and I said, pegging, you know, the woman puts a strap -on on and does a guy as a lesbian who does strap-on play with her lover, she said, well, why wouldn't he just go find a guy? I said, because he's straight. <laughs> yeah. You no? Know? Yeah, it's a very, very strong connotation. Very, very strong. It is. So that's why my webinars are free.
1: Yeah, it is. No, you're right. And thank you for us <laughs> doing that and setting the record straight because you're you're right. I mean, like that like I said, if I rolled the clock back and you know, I would have been like, Oh, Ooh, what do you mean? You know, like what's going on here? Like back then that would have made me insecure as a female going, uh, is he bisexual? Is he gay? Like, what do I have? You know? Well,
0: yeah. And it still can, it yeah. still can for potential givers, get them insecure because of that reason. It's like, well, I don't have one. So how are you ever going to be satisfied?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a toy. It is there to stimulate the prostate. It's not about, and and it's what's attached to the toy. A friend of mine said, excuse me, I prefer breasts with my strap on. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Yes, yes.
0: And it's so important when you're talking to your partner, getting back to that question, to emphasize, I want to do this with you. And if you can, ideally, approach it with, excitement approach it with enthusiasm as opposed to shame and embarrassment yeah sometimes that can be difficult to do yeah but you know if you come to your partner and say so hey i just found out that there's a way that i can have those amazing orgasms that i give you when i do the g-spot thing and your clit and everything like you're having this full body orgasm and that lasts for a really long time i can do that too and i'm so excited because i've always wanted that And so I want to explore pegging with you. And before you make any assumptions, sit down and listen to this podcast with me. (laughs) That's what
1: I would do. (laughs) There we go. Yes, I love that. So any other kind of misconceptions or stigmas that you feel we should point out?
0: It's not about pain. If it hurts, you're doing it wrong. That's how simple that is. Still, to this day, on some of the subreddits, I'll get on there and somebody will say, oh, it only hurts the first time. And I'll say, no, if it hurts the first time, you are doing it wrong. <laughs> it does not have to hurt. And it's not about pain. So there's that one. There's um, there's all the, the porn connections. Because don't get me wrong, I love porn. Porn's awesome, but porn's a show. Porn is kabuki sex. And professional pegging porn is completely overrepresented in connection with Feminization of the receivers, so they dress them up as like a woman. BDSM in a whole bunch of different forms. Sometimes they're tied down. Sometimes they're getting impact play. Humiliation and degradation, usually verbal. And sometimes chastity cages are on too. Now, if you're into any of those, I support you 1000%. But the really, really important thing is that none of them are inextricably connected to pegging. You can do pegging any way you want. It's a customizable kink. And you can do it as one more way to sensually make love. Even though in my world, I don't know why you wouldn't tie him up and beat him first. But that's me customizing it, and that does not apply to everybody.
1: Yeah. No, that's perfect. Now, this is my question because <laughs> <I>, I'm <laughs> I, I'm wanting to venture into this and with a partner and what if I suck at it? <laughs> like, I'm intimidated by it a little bit, right? I was telling you, we kind of touched on that briefly a second ago, just like with the, you know, like me, like what if I'm my, my rhythm's up? Like I, I have all of these little fears in my head. So how can I, you know, as the giver, where should I go? How can I overcome that and get just really get myself kind of in the right mindset, I guess, or prepared to do this well?
0: I think that's a great question. And I think that a lot of that involves the partner as well. Because one of the things I tell the partners is, okay, look, you've had one of these your whole life. (laughs) You know how to use it. You know how to move your body. You know how to, even more importantly, move your partner's body so that it's easier on you. And you've got lots of tips and tricks and things, right? So please feel free to offer those, but only offer them If you can deliver them kindly, diplomatically, and without criticism, non-critically, I ran across a thread on on one post where somebody asked the question, what's the most embarrassing thing you've ever said or said or done while getting pegged, I think, and some receiver posted on there that he said, "Uh, you fuck like a girl. (laughs) (laughs) It may be true, but don't ever say that <laughs> because oh, there is an imbalance. What already. does fucking
1: like a girl mean? See, I don't even know about enough about Peggy to know like, is that, that, I mean, it sounds like a, like, you know, you're not a compliment, but like, what?
0: It is not a compliment. Yeah. You're right. It's it's like you lack that beautiful role oh, that okay. when you're fucking somebody and okay. you're whole You're disjointed. You're not. Yeah. Yeah. It it does not look natural. It's, you know, that kind of thing. And that can be true, but you never, ever want to say that because you have someone who is actually making a huge amount of effort and potentially getting through fears like you were expressing about sucking at it. And you want to be in every way supportive and grateful and encouraging regarding that because in the beginning you might suck at it. Absolutely. But you know, sex can be funny too. It can.
1: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Right. No, I mean, I can't really visualize myself with a strap on on without having a sort of a little bit of a chuckle. Like before I try to put my game face on, like I'm going to have to be like, get the giggles out.
0: because You got to see if you can do a, a helicopter.
1: Yeah. Oh, that would actually break the ice for me. If I could do the helicopter, that would be very fun. You know, I'd be like, okay, I did it. All right. Now I'm, I'm feeling my dick. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. You know, <laughs> good to go. Me. yes, I'm, I'm like, I'm stepping into that role. So where should someone go to get a good strap on? Because I've heard like, you don't want this. You know, there's things like, don't do this. Don't do that. I would like to find a good strap on. That also provides stimulation for me as a female while I'm penetrating him. So how do I even do? I mean, I literally do not even know. I'm ground zero, Ruby. I don't know what's good and what's not good.
0: And this is one of the webinars I teach. And it takes two hours (laughs) because there is no one size fits all. There are so many factors to take into consideration. So many that it would blow your mind. And this is why every single time I see the question posted, so what's the best pegging equipment? Mm -mm, Cannot answer that question because it depends on your body shape. It depends on your preferences in terms of how it looks. And the dildo that you get depends on how sensitive the prostate is of the partner that you have. And if you wanted to orgasm as well and have something that brings you pleasure, then you need to match up how your favorite type of stimulation is with a toy that can hopefully provide that for you. There's so many different factors. Do you want a a more firm toy? Do you want a softer toy? And that has to do with the receiver. There's just so much to take into consideration. I probably could have sold a zillion stupid pegging kits by now if I just said, oh yeah, get this one. But the disservice that I would have been doing is, is that it's not for everybody. And sometimes if you have... A semi-reluctant giver who's kind of like, well, I will try this. I'm not really sure. And you give them a harness that's uncomfortable, it pinches, it's hard to use, it doesn't hold the toy very well. They might just say, "Fuck this! I'm not. I don't want to do pegging. It sucks."
1: <laughs> yeah, right. And I don't want to do that. I would be like, "Oh, you know, like, geez, I tried it, but it was it was a flop.
0: It was just too hard. You know, it was just I didn't like it. It was un. Unple- Why would I want to do something like that?" I mean, ideally, when you explore new sexual territory, even if you're you're in the mode of I'm doing this for my partner, which is a lovely place to be, it still has to occupy at least benign or better. <laughs> if it has some real negatives, then mm, probably not a good thing to include in the sexual treasure chest.
1: So just, I guess, generically speaking, then... I guess what would be some sort of things to maybe avoid then? I mean, I don't want to get like, I don't want to gravitate. Don't to- buy
0: your stuff on Amazon.
1: <laughs> okay. Thank you. I see. I might've done that. I'm no joke. I, with the partner that I'm referring to, like he and I have a naughty list that we have going on Amazon and yeah. <laughs> I think he threw some sort of strap on stuff in there and I would I might've been like, okay, I'll get that.
0: Yeah. And with, with a few exceptions, there's a few small companies on Amazon that are independent small business companies that are on there that are perfectly fine. But like, for example, the dildo you get, you want to be 100% silicone. How do you know if it's 100% silicone? Well, guess what? On Amazon, you don't. And that has to do with, okay, starts back in how toys are shipped into this country and how they're classified for customs. And they're classified as novelties. All the toys are, even the best ones are. That classification allows them to fly under the radar of the FDA. So nobody is overseeing this and making sure they are what they say they are. This allows them to lie on the label. Yes, they can. So you can buy that $8, 100% silicone, air quotes, dildo, and it's not. It's totally not. So, okay, fine. What if it's not silicone? Who cares? You care. Because two big problems. One is worse than the other, but they're both not good. One is that it can actually contain toxic chemicals that have been banned in children's toys and pet toys. I kid you not. And, you know, I wrote an article with links to all kinds of studies and stuff like that to support what I'm saying here. Uh, like in the Netherlands, it's, those types of sex toys have been banned, as, as far as I recall. The other problem is if they don't have toxic chemicals in them, they might be porous okay what is that and why is it a problem it means that it has little tiny spaces where bacteria can get lodged in there effectively making it really really difficult to sanitize well if you've ever bought a cheap dildo and then maybe every time you use it you get a uti that would be why so you want 100 percent silicone absolutely when they sell toys on I'm, Amazon. You're like
1: you're blowing my mind right now, actually, because I didn't even I know. as as a woman. Yeah. Just not even talking You gotta to be a myself.
0: savvy toy consumer.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 I get UTIs all the time. Oh. And they suck.
0: They're awful.
1: Oh. They're awful. Men don't get, so men when don't you, get them, but usually, right? But mostly not people. not as much as we do. Yeah.
0: Oh god. So when you buy off Amazon, like you know, Amazon prime, how that works. Uh-huh. So if you say, I want this product, anybody who says that their product is this product can sell that. And there's a ton of knockoffs from China okay. that are not the big brands and the reliable brands, but they're being sold as them. And with dildos, if you mess around with the formula of it, there's a higher profit margin. So there's a lot of incentive to do that. So you just have to be a savvy toy consumer, basically. And just forget Amazon. Just no, no, no. And when I teach my webinar, I teach to all budgets and all bodies as well. So it's not like you have to spend a huge chunk of change. You really don't. In fact, there's some do-it-yourself harnesses that are lovely.
1: Okay. You can DIY it.
0: (laughs) You can DIY with two long scarves. Seriously.
1: Okay. Yeah, I love you can it.
0: totally make a harness out of two long scarves. I love and so when that. people say, okay, how cheap can I get into pegging for?
1: Don't look right? for less.
0: <laughs> you can get a good hundred percent silicone dildo for about 25, 30 bucks. Reliably hundred percent silicone. And then if you have two long scarves, boom, boom you're good to go.
1: Okay. <laughs> I love that. I love it. We can do, we're DIYing the pegging. Uh (laughs) That is so great. Okay. So what are some of the must-dos if you are interested in pegging and also any of the do-not-dos if you want to peg someone?
0: From both sides of the pegging formula?
1: (laughs) I know, because we are really, like, there's a lot of options there, right? But there are. Just maybe some of the top ones, you know, that would fit for. Well, the very
0: first thing I... Always advise this education because there's above and beyond all the misconceptions and all that stuff that we have already talked about. We didn't talk about every single one of them, but that category, there's also some surprising things that you wouldn't expect that could lead to other misunderstandings. Like, for example, it is not at all unusual when a man is getting prostate stimulation for there to be no erection. That's not unusual. There are some guys out there that have erections that come and go. There's a whole bunch that won't be able to get it up at all. And there are very few that are going to be hard the whole time. So think about that. If you in your sexual life have been used to looking for an erection as a sign that your partner's having a good time, you got to let that go out the window. See how many misconceptions can happen. So education, I think, is huge. And it's also empowering, you know. It's like those fears that you expressed. It's like, what if I suck at it? Well, the more information you have, the less chance that's going to (laughs) happen.
1: Right. Or I won't be in my head worrying that, oh my gosh, I'm sucking at this. Am I doing this right? You know, I'll just be, I will be present and in the moment if I'm better educated about
0: more so what to
1: expect. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yes. But other things like, I don't know, from a receiver's point of view, you wouldn't have want to have a huge, huge dinner and a bunch of alcohol and then (laughs) receive. It's like, no. In fact, being present is really important because pain is an indicator and if it hurts, you need to be able to communicate that to your partner. Your partner needs to be present enough to be able to receive that communication and change what they're doing. So let's see any more don'ts. Some people get really intense about like all kinds of enemas and things because they want to be totally spotless. This is an area of your body you simply can't get around. This is where the shit comes out, you know? So you can make it pretty darn clean, but there's never a guarantee. The thing that people, that it's important to understand is that it's not like plowing through excrement. (laughs) If it is, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) But you really only have to rinse out the area that is involved in play, and that's your rectal canal. And then you're probably pretty good to go. Well, I have a girlfriend who, she always laughs about the whole, that, that it's such a big issue about the clean out for pegging, right? Because she says, look, I love anal sex, right? Receiving it. And any guy who has ever done that with me has never asked me, so are you going to clean out?
1: <laughs> I've never had it asked of me either.
0: There you go. So maybe they're trying to... Uh, Maybe they're appealing to our delicate sensibilities.
1: <laughs> well, I, honestly, I just don't think that, you know, from my point of view, I would say that most guys that are going to go back there and do that, like, they're not concerned about that per se. Nobody, I mean, you know, nobody wants to stumble on, you know, a bullet in the chamber, but if it happens, it yeah. happens, right? I mean, like... I would think, too, that most women would be like, no, maybe not not tonight or not now or whatever. Like, you know. and it's If just, you know but, your
0: body well enough, sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, but it's just, to me, it's like one of those things. It's like, I mean, poop happens, you know? Like, I've certainly seen, like, a butt plug from, my, from me come flying out. And I'm like, I think I saw something on there. Who
0: cares? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: You know, I mean, it's like... Shit happens. I mean, like Literally, it does. Precisely. I mean, I don't know. I just don't get worried about those things, but I know some people, maybe they do or they're worried and I just kind of, mm-hmm. my recommendation is just lighten up.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you're going to get that freaked out about a little bit of a mess, then maybe pecking isn't for you. Maybe anal play isn't for you at all. And that's just not an area you're interested in because you have such a strong reaction to it. You know? That happens too. Another thing not to do if you want to try pegging with your partner is to go out and buy all the equipment and spring it on them. Don't do that. (laughs)
1: Surprise. (laughs) Don't do
0: that. Not okay. Every once in a while, somebody will be thrilled. (laughs) The vast majority of time it's like, whoa, whoa, what?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. That will be met with a warm reception. Yeah.
0: Well, and picking out equipment together is I think, sometimes a lovely part of the journey and sometimes taking your time as well there i get emails from people who say oh yeah my girlfriend and i we got all excited about this because we you know we thought about pegging and you know, it turned us on and we wanted to try so we went down to the store and we got the stuff and came home and we did it <laughs> and i'm like yeah you can, you can do that but think of it this way you could also say hmm tuesdays and saturdays are ass play nights you could do just a little bit more each time a little bit more exploration into his ass and then finish up doing whatever sexy times you want to do and you can sext each other and go hey hey, Tuesday's tomorrow your ass is mine or whatever you know I own that Yeah. yeah it creates this air of erotic anticipation plus it allows you to really experience each and every one of those which may be firsts for you maybe not first as a person like ever had something in your ass, but maybe it's the first time your partners put their finger in your ass, you know, and it allows you to fully experience those potential firsts as opposed to zooming through them. But you know, people can do it whatever way they want.
1: Yeah. I love that. Okay. So what are some of the benefits of pegging for men? (laughs) (laughs) If they're the receiver, (laughs) obviously. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 The level of pleasure is pretty extraordinary. Any guy who has experienced an orgasm from concurrent prostate stimulation and cock stimulation has had an orgasm like that pretty much across the board. They report those orgasms as being roughly 10 times as powerful as a regular cock centric jerk off type of thing, right? Yeah, that's a per- pretty powerful motivator. <laughs> Plus, Prostate stimulation opens men up to a world that now includes full body orgasms and multiple orgasms, which is pretty rare. I mean, I've heard guys complain about, well, I can give my girlfriend this like endless orgasm and she's trembling and speechless for five minutes. And mine goes, but boom, but boom. I know. Not when you involve prostates. Yeah. So it's pretty extraordinary. And then as an added benefit, Prostate health. Ha <laughs> Absolutely. Very there so, Yeah. There's a medical condition in our country that's kind of epidemic that is called BPH. It's benign prostatic hyperplasia, that's medical speak for enlarged prostate. It affects 50% of men in their 50s, 60% of men in their 60s, 70% of men in their 70s, you get the idea. What happens is when the prostate enlarges, the tube in the body called the ureter that carries the urine from the bladder out of the body goes smack through the middle of the prostate. So when it enlarges it interferes with urinary flow and symptoms include difficulty urinating, feeling like you can't void your bladder completely. These are the guys that get up a bunch of times a night to go pee. Prostate massage helps with this. (laughs) Whether it's your fingers or a toy. I know. I'm
1: like, let me get in there. Um, Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. And pegging, it's like, yeah, absolutely. So it's a health benefit as well. Because more the more you keep those fluids running through there, and it is also an area of the body that is like in that whole pelvic floor area, which holds tension and is typically not an area of the body that gets attended to, so to speak. It doesn't get massaged, you know. Families have a lot going on.
1: But I have fisted a guy and the response from, as I was stimulating his prostate, I've never seen something so explosive and orgasmic. I'm not touching his penis. I wasn't concurrently stroking his cock. It was all prostate and it was the strongest, most just unbelievable orgasm I'd ever seen a man have and I was sitting there like watching it like I'm on a ride at Disneyland going holy <laughs> I was gonna say shit which is not appropriate for this but holy, holy smokes though, yeah. Holy smokes! look at what I'm doing to this man like look at the pleasure that I am giving my partner right now it was amazing hands down I mean I'd, I've never seen anything like it so I'm sold <laughs>
0: This is one of the things that gets potential givers interested sometimes, because if they're kind of wavering, I say, well, you know, try this, put a butt plug in and have intercourse and let your partner watch how much more intense your orgasm is. I mean, one of the other things that that I think is truly a benefit for men and this gets way into like, masculinity definitions and all kinds of stuff like that is for the most part men have been forbidden to portray vulnerability in our society it's always conflated with weakness it's like oh that's weak no it's not really because when you open up and take that risk and emotionally expose yourself to your partner that takes so much courage it's not weak at all But men are forbidden to do that in our society, sadly. And again, stereotypes, but man, there's a reason they're a stereotype. So I am a believer that you can't really experience pleasurable anal penetration without vulnerability. So sometimes it's like one of the first times that a guy has really felt himself completely open up and let go and receive and be vulnerable. And for the men who are aware that this dynamic exists and that this part of expression for them is forbidden, they can really crave that. And for the women that are with them, they can offer that experience to their partner and in a a safe environment where they can hold that space for them.
1: Oh, Ruby, 100%. I've talked about this on my show a lot, just that with the just traditional male, female gender roles, I feel that, you know, men... What I love about men is all that, you know, all that good masculine stuff, all that masculine energy, but there is a downside to it. And some of these things that we're talking about where for them, I have found that when I'm in a position to make the man be the receiver, I have found that it's a lot of times very hard for them because they can't, they want to, but just, it's just been so ingrained in them. Like what the masculine stuff is and what the feminine stuff is. And so for them to really kind of relax and release and to let go of all that, it's so important to do. I mean, like, that's what I enjoy as a female generally, right? Is that the guy's doing the heavy lifting and, (laughs) you know, and he's taking care of all this stuff and it feels great to have somebody pay attention, nurture you that way and just give you that. But men need it too. And maybe they don't need it on the same scale that we do, but they do need it. And to be able to give that experience to your partner, it's incredible.
0: I agree. Yeah.
1: I have just scratched the surface of it, but that's why, you know, I'm so fascinated by the pegging because I think kind of just to go back to, you know, your original kind of mission statement here is to really educate people on how when you kind of step into that other role, you, you can so much further appreciate, you know, what it is about your partner that you love and what they do for you and, you know, all the stuff even outside of the
0: bedroom. So absolutely. Yeah. So I'm brings the full circle.
1: It really does. It's great. Yes. Yeah.
0: The vulnerability aspect is so important because the men that I peg, I, I so often hear them say things like, I'm just really tired of being in control. I'm really tired of being, you know, maybe they have a high powered job where they're in control all day long and then they come home and they're expected to be in control of the bedroom and they just never get a break kind of. And I've heard men speak eloquently about craving just being able to receive and how magical it is and and how amazing it feels to let go of all that multitasking that I talked about and not, have to have two awarenesses at the same time, which is like the definition of multitasking and just receive, just let it all go and just receive. They don't get to do that. They really, really don't. No,
1: Yeah. They don't a lot. Yeah. And it's, uh, something that I think as a woman, you know, I've had the benefit of experience and I love, but also, you know, I, again, going back to what you said at the beginning of, you know, our podcast here is just like, bring it full circle, you know, step into what, you know, and appreciate what your partner has to bring to the table for you. And when you take on that role, and then you get the pleasure and understanding of kind of what he's getting out of bringing you pleasure, you know, and you really get to kind of experience that. And it just, it brings you, makes you more aware, you have a better understanding and kind of a deeper, just all around appreciation for the two different dynamics and what is coming together. And the more we understand about each other, I think it just, that just breeds uh, good things and uh, makes your sexuality way more better, all in gen- you know, in general and more fluid and, you know, where you can really just fully appreciate that person and what they're doing for you.
0: Yeah. The deeper understanding really is magical and and the vulnerability part, there is actually an expression on a receiver's face when you first penetrate them and sometimes the whole time that you're fucking them, which is why I love positions with eye contact <laughs>
1: Okay. Oh, good to know. Good to know. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Cause I may have put somebody like where they're face down. Cause maybe I don't want them. Look, maybe that, maybe that makes me feel vulnerable if they're watching me while I'm doing this for the first time.
0: Well, and sometimes in the beginning, that's an important thing to do. And you can eventually get to the eye contact and there's lots of positions. So go easy on yourself. Don't try and do it all at once. <laughs>
1: okay. 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 Yeah.
0: But the best I can describe that expression is it's a mixture of awe and surprise and this beautiful, complete vulnerability that is just so astonishingly beautiful. It's like it's crack for me. <laughs> and so I love that expression. And of course, I found myself thinking, this is what we look like, what women look like when you're <laughs> fucking us. <laughs> you know, because this is fucking magical, man. Right.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah. And so just... Yeah, you're taking me back to that time when I when I was fisting that person. Just I literally, the look on my face was like watching him having that experience and knowing that I was giving all of that, it was it was incredible. I mean, you know, it really was incredible. And so I didn't put it but before I talked to you, see, I hadn't put it together, like, you know, the similarities there and why and how I'm going to enjoy it so much. <laughs> and so now right. you got me. Now you got me fired up. I can't get that strap on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, sometimes going back to like how to approach your partner and things. Sometimes when a receiver says to a potential giver, "Hey, I want to try this pegging thing." They get dismissed like even if they don't have the misconceptions and things, it's like, "No, I don't get anything out of it." Well, really? I mean, like why do you get blowjobs then? You know? Or maybe you don't. I don't know. (laughs) But the thing is, is there's this really lovely place of providing that level of pleasure that you just described to your partner that can just be so amazing. And sometimes this also ends up getting uh, givers so intrigued because they say, oh, my God, he made sounds he's never made before. (laughs) And that happens with prostate stimulation sometimes. These noises just come out. And oh, so I love cool. the noises. The Me noises. Too. It's my favorite. Oh, Audiophile. is it just yeah. like?
1: Uh, uh, oh, I mean, <laughs> I, that's why I record that shit because I play it back and I'm like, oh, that was so hot. Like that's how? a great idea. Yes.
0: Because <laughs> when you're on the giving We're end, of on a thing, boomerang. <laughs> yeah. A loop. <laughs> so, because when you're, when you're behind the strap on and like, just like a cock owner watches their partner, at least the best lovers do this and tries different things and then find something that, you know, they can see is really good. You can do that with the strap on too. And I can't tell you how amazing it is to just like, you find that perfect angle, the position, the toy, the whatever. And every stroke in you get a moan. It's like, okay, I could do this for how long? Oh, my God. (laughs) Until my legs give out maybe. (laughs) Because
1: I know what that's like as the receiver when it's like those, you know, just the really getting into the intricacy of every stroke and just feeling all the details of every stroke. Like that's how I want to fuck somebody like myself. Like, you know, like I want to do that. Like what I was just feeling, I would love to be able to give that to someone else and have them feel what that's like, because it's, it's amazing, you know? And so if I can be amazing and give that to someone else, you know, I'm all about it. Like, yes, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we're, this might be a little redundant. It's my last question, but because we, you know, what's fun about this interview is now you didn't know what the questions are, but naturally we were, the way the conversation went, we just sort of, butt it up against every question, just kind of perfectly. And no pun nice. intended there when I said butt it
0: up. But <laughs> there are puns everywhere.
1: Yes, I know. There's puns everywhere. Okay. So, but you said my particular area of fascination that is deep, and you said pun intended, into the subject of pegging is how masculinity intersects with pegging. So I want to know, after 12 years of educating people about pegging, how does masculinity intersect with pegging as you see it?
0: That intersection, the experience of pegging allows a man to open up and feel parts of himself and express parts of himself that I believe society trains out of men non-consensually from small boyhood. And I can't emphasize how valuable, I think that is, because it's almost like if we go by all of those rules that are sort of what I call the man box, which was a term coined by Tony Porter in a TED Talk, and it encompasses all the characteristics that men are expected to portray to be considered manly men and masculine and all that. If we go by those rules, then what you've got is someone who is kind of a part of a human being, and you're not allowing them to be fully expressive of all parts of them. Because heaven forbid, you should do anything that could be perceived as feminine or gay. Because that's the unspoken rule, which is so fucked up on the face of it, because it basically implies that those are less than when compared to masculinity, which is bullshit. But nonetheless, it's really hard for men to get out of that and to actually start exploring those areas. And sometimes it's even difficult because... Givers, if they've never seen their partner be vulnerable, they can sometimes have an, a bad reaction to it. It's like, oh, you were so weak. That's not what I like in a partner. Ugh, you know. So there's pitfalls and things. But exploring those areas is so valuable. It's so valuable. And that's what I think that guy was talking about when he said men are you know, have you heard of men being more peaceful after they've been pegged? I think they're softer. I really do because I think it changes you to take someone into your body, to open up, to receive, to be vulnerable, to have someone paying that much attention to you. It just feels so incredibly special. And sometimes this is really important for anybody who doesn't have the education, doesn't get the education, goes off and tries it. I I talk about this as often as I can, because it's really important. There can be an emotional response, meaning when you start doing prostate stimulation, it is possible to have a, like a welling up of emotion in the guy. And it's so important to understand this because sometimes guys are like, you know, what the hell is this? I don't want this because they've been told their whole life. They're not supposed to cry. Right. Yeah. Right. And if you don't know that this just sometimes happens, I mean, it happens in women too. When you stimulate their G spot, about 30% have an emotional reaction. So it's so important to know that it happens with men too, because the women of these guys, uh, if you look over and see your partner welling up with tears, it's really important to know what's going on. Otherwise, you can just kind of, you can make it all about you. You can look over, see the tears and go, oh my God, what's wrong? Did I hurt you? Oh my God, what's wrong? What do we do now? Oh my God. No, you just need to hold space for that person. You just need to be there for them because you've got someone that they're most vulnerable and most tender. So I've heard of stories where they try this the very first time, the guy cries because it opens up something inside of him, and, and he can't do anything about it, and she says, not doing that thing again because you cried, "Oh, honey, oh dang, <laughs> tears, yeah. tears can be lovely, you no, know, they're good to come out better out than in, you know, so I always like to tell people that that's a possibility." Because sometimes guys will even say, oh, no, 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 that made me cry. I don't want to do that again. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But that emotional expression is a beautiful thing. Oh, my gosh. So those ways it intersects, and I think it helps redefine masculinity little by little. I live for the day (laughs) when a guy says something about liking pegging, and maybe he's around the bro dudes, right? And they go, dude, that's gay. I live for the day. He turns and looks at them and says, and because that's the reality of it. There is no sexual orientation that is better than the other. There is no sexual orientation that people should be shamed for or embarrassed by or teased with or any of those things. And it just oh, frustrates me to no end that there's this whole bro dude kidding around thing of joking that your your partner's going to get fucked in the ass and that makes you ha 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 less than joke on you, you know, please. No, I want them to say, this is the 21st century. Are you kidding me? You don't know what kind of orgasm you can have. Get real, dude. You're way behind.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You just have little kitty orgasms, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm having the full blown ones. Yes, Mm I love it. I love that. Thank you so much, Ruby Ryder. Tell everyone where they can find you.
0: You can find me at peggingparadise.com. It's my main website I've had for the last 12 years. You can find me at theartofpegging.com as well. And that is my educational platform that has all my webinars. And who knows, TikTok might go down any day. So all of my TikTok videos I've copied over there and put them in categories to the best of my ability. All of my podcasts are there too. My podcast is Ruby Writer's Pegging Paradise. And I'm recording number 298 right now. I need to edit that tonight. And I also have, for any of you listeners who... Might want to explore pegging without the kink attached, because I identify as a dominant central sadist, and I mix that in with stuff. Okay, uh, pegging101.com has copies of all my informational articles with no kink attached. If that is more your cup of tea, on Instagram I am Ruby's World of No Shame, because <laughs> they kicked me off one time. <laughs> uh, gone, just gone. Uh, on TikTok I'm Pegging Paradise. And on FetLife, I'm Ruby underscore writer.
1: All right. Well, in case anybody missed all that, don't worry. We'll have that all in the show notes for you guys. And Ruby, thank you so much for coming on today. It has been such a great pleasure. And everybody, you guys always know where you can find me. What's my favorite thing? Go to the thecuriousgirldiaries.com leave me a voicemail. I love your voicemails. Click on the pink tab on the right hand side of my homepage or any page on my website. And you have five minutes. Let it rip. I get back to each and every one of you personally. And I really enjoy hearing about you and your life. And if you have any specific questions for Ruby, you can leave one there and I'll make sure she gets that voicemail. All right, guys, everybody stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. Love you guys. Bye.